What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted throughout this offseason and, of course, heading into next year as well. And if you're somebody who wants to start producing content, whether it be you want to start writing, maybe you want to start talking about a specific team or sport, or you want to start maybe doing some blurbs or just some Twitter work, if you're trying to break into the fantasy or sports industry in general, please do reach out to myself at JoeOrico99 or at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. One of us will get you talking with the right people. But today, we are going to continue on with our outfielder shows. This is going to be number four, and this one is going to be slightly a little bit different. We're going to be talking about some names who you might expect to be, for the most part, in like the first group of outfielders, because the way I've been doing this, we're just going down the Yahoo rankings, looking at on a total basis, not, uh, not per game, on the total value they were able to provide this season. We started at the top with your Aaron Judges, Mookie Betts, Jordan Alvarez, and those types. And we're going down the list here, and we are just at the end of the top 100 in terms of total players. Uh, these guys we're going to be talking about today are, uh, let's see, there's one of them who finished inside the top 100, and then the other three guys that we're going to be focusing on today were just outside of it. And that was a bit of a surprise. So we've grouped them all together here. There's a couple other players who are in this range for sure, but not in the same grouping of players. So we're going to start off today with Ronald Acuna Jr. He is somebody where you would expect him to finish as the top player. Um, he was the 16th overall pick by ADP this season. He finished as the 97th overall player, and that was in 119 games. Still hard to call what he did disappointing over those 119 games. He had 124 hits, 71 runs, uh, 15 homers, which definitely is where that low ranking comes from. Uh, only 50 RBIs, which is another factor there as well. Um, 29 steals for him, which was the best thing that he did this year fantasy-wise for you was stealing 29 bases in that time frame, and he batted 266, which is just kind of okay. Uh, for the career, Acuna is now a 277 hitter. 266 is right around in that acceptable range. I think it was just the power that kind of surprised us. We were expecting him to probably have a bit more power than speed this year coming off his ACL injury, and it was kind of reversed for whatever reason. Uh, he didn't have so many home runs, obviously just the 15 and 119 games. When we've seen him uh, specifically in 2019, which I know that year is a bit tainted, but he hit 41 home runs that year as a 21-year-old. So we know he's capable of a lot more than this. Uh, the, if you look at the stat cast numbers, the power metrics seem to be pretty good. 90th percentile or better in expected slugging, in hard hit percentage, in ex-WOBA, and in max exit velocity. I'm not worried about Ronald Acuna at all. I think that he's still going to be someone who is competing for that number one overall fantasy player for next season. And it wouldn't really surprise me at all if he does attain that. We've talked earlier on in this offseason about how I think he is probably my dark horse right now for NL MVP. Not that he is, you know, going to be a long shot or anything heading into the year, but I do think that another year removed from his injury, he, we could see a 40-40 season from Acuna in that lineup. So I have him ranked as number three in my early rankings. <clears throat> Maybe he'll move around a little bit. I think he's solidly in that top four of Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, Ronald Acuna, and then Julio. Maybe Julio even a half step behind those top three. Uh, but Acuna is certainly in the top tier of fantasy players heading into next season. His ADP right now is 3.4, and that makes perfect sense to me. If you get a top four, a top three pick, then taking Acuna will make a lot of sense. He'll be able to help you out in four, four and a half categories. Batting average is kind of a 
I mean, in this day and age, I think anything over like 250 should be considered to be a plus for your batting average to some degree, 260, 270s kind of range, which is probably what he's going to give you. That should be considered to be a win if he does, in fact, return that. So no question for me that Ronald Acuna is still going to be one of those top five players in baseball next season in fantasy baseball specifically. So no worries at all taking him with a with a rich pick in the first round. Next guy we're going to talk about is Juan Soto. Now, his ADP was four heading into the season. He finished as the 106th ranked player over on Yahoo. There was a couple reasons for it. Mostly the batting average. He batted 242 this year, which was by far the lowest he'd ever been in his years previous. It was 292, 282, 351, and 313. And then this year, 242. It was not a good season for him. I mean, I'm saying for him because a lot of players would put together 27 home runs, uh, 62 RBIs. It's not great, but he had a 401 on base percentage. His OPS was still 853. The crazy stat here for me is 135 walks to 96 strikeouts. I mean, it's, it's he's still Juan Soto. Uh, you ha- you're going to have down years at points in your career. It's going to happen. And if this is a down year for Juan Soto, I mean, uh, you'll, you'll take it. It's similar to what we talked about with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., although Vladdy was definitely better as a whole this season. Uh, if this is what they're going to do in their down years, then we'll absolutely take them, regardless of the, of the season. Uh, he is walking still this year over 20%, striking out less than 15%. And I think if we had to find like the one thing, because a lot of the stats, they're, they're looking good still, especially like the advanced metrics, 90th percentile or better, expected slugging, walk percentage, strikeout percentage, chase rate, X, Woba. A lot of it still looked good. The one glaring thing this year for him was his BABIP was only 249, and that led to a lower batting average. Everything else, pretty similar to what you can expect with Juan Soto. I think going into next year, you're still going to be very comfortable taking him in the first round somewhere. Uh, I have him ranked number eight. I think that he might move down one or two slots. Uh, I think that if he's going to go anywhere, he's probably going to go down as opposed to up. But anywhere in that back end of the first round for Juan Soto is going to make a lot of sense. We've talked at length about you know a full season with Manny Machado and the majority of a season, hopefully – Knock on wood uh, with Fernando Tatis Jr. Hopefully there's no bullshit with his recovery or another suspension or whatever nonsense. We, you know, we've seen some – I wouldn't be surprised if anything happens with Fernando Tatis Jr. based on, you know, we've seen um, him do some really stupid things these last couple of years. So we, we're holding our breath, but I think we should see at least 130-ish games of him mixed with Machado and the other nice pieces in that lineup there, him and Cronenworth and whoever else they end up bringing in. I think that we're going to see another first-round season from Juan Soto, and that's why the price hasn't really fallen so much from last year. We talked about it yesterday with Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, when you see a guy have a bit of a down year, typically the next season you see them at a discount. For uh, was Francisco Lindor last year. There's a couple names like it this year. We saw Soto go last season as a top-five pick, consensus top-five pick. His ADP was four. He finished 106th, and yet his ADP for this year is still top 10. It's 9.65 in these early drafts that have taken place. So people kind of know, like, you can still Juan Soto, specifically if you're in an OBP format, uh, you can make an argument for him maybe as the number one player. Maybe not. Just, mm, I mean, you could, you could make the argument, right? It's not like set in stone, but, you know, a 400 on base percentage in a down year for him, uh, that's pretty damn ridiculous. His on base for his career – 424. So this is still considered to be a down year in that regard as well. Uh, he is one of my favorite players. He's going to be one of my favorite players to draft because you get him at the end of the first as opposed to the beginning of the first like you would have in the last couple of seasons. So if you can get yourself some Juan Soto, uh, I would very much be 
be happy to do so coming in around pick nine or pick 10. And even if you got to go pick seven, pick eight for Juan Soto, I don't think that you're going to be hurt too much by that. I still love the guy. still think he can have a ton of value, and he will have a ton of value batting in what will be the best lineup, arguably, that he's been in. I mean, maybe you could say the World Series year for the Nationals if he's around Trey Turner and Rendon and those guys, but I think that it's pretty close anyway. The talent level is going to be pretty close, so no worries at all about Soto, even though he was a little disappointing this season. Uh, <clears throat> that's not going to carry over for me heading into next year. Next up, we have Bryce Harper. Now, heading into 2022, his ADP was 9.8. He ended up finishing 128th over on Yahoo. Now, he did this in 99 games while having a torn UCL. So we can't look at this as a usual Bryce Harper season, of course. But he still gave you 18 home runs, 11 stolen bases, a 286 batting average, 63 runs, 65 RBIs. So he was still very valuable for you. Now, I'm a little worried heading into next year about drafting him, specifically if he's going early on in drafts like he currently is. His ADP right now is 14. He's only going to be utility eligible to start the season, specifically over on NFBC. I'm not sure exactly if you're talking Yahoo, CBS, and the rest of them. He only played eight times in the outfield this year. For sure, NFBC, he's just going to be a utility guy, which thins out an already kind of thin outfield pool. If you're talking 15-team, uh, five outfielders, you know, especially the draft and hold, like I, we've been talking about earlier this week, uh, that's not good for the pool. The pool is already not great. Um, so losing Bryce Harper there, at least for the beginning of the year, we don't really know how long it's going to be, but at least for the beginning of the year, it does not do us any favors. And if you're drafting him, you've got to be a little bit worried about how much he's going to actually be out there for you. I think we're probably going to see him out there a lot, but... Maybe this elbow injury lingers and we see it suppress his power a little bit next season. It didn't really hurt him in the playoffs, but I don't tend to look at the playoffs as reflective of what we're going to see a guy do next year. It's very rare that you can see a guy carry over a hot streak from a postseason, go through six months of the offseason of not playing baseball for you know whatever, a month or two, and then ramping it back up. It's, it's completely different. Uh, I don't see much correlation there at all. And a guy like Bryce Harper, who granted was was very hot, not so much in the World Series. Uh, he was four for twenty in the World Series, but you know the first few rounds of the playoffs, he was doing his job. I don't th- I don't see that in those home runs he hit as being indicative of anything other than yeah he was he, he had a good playoffs. Heading into next season, I'm going to be a little bit worried taking him in the first round. And I've talked about this on when I did my rankings. Uh, let me just pull them up here. I believe he was twenty first in my rankings. I think that that's probably about where I would want to start taking him. Uh, in somewhere in the middle of the second round. If he's going in the first round, I think that there are some better options. Yeah, I have him as 21st. I think if you're talking the end of the first, uh, you probably have some, you know, Bo Bichette's there, Freddie Freeman, uh, maybe Mookie Betts, maybe Jordan Alvarez. Uh, those are guys that I'd all feel a lot more comfortable in taking. Obviously, you got the hand issue with Alvarez that may be a problem. But I think I trust him more as of right now. Obviously, long ways to go. We'll update these thoughts and these rankings and everything else. But as of right now, if you're coming up on pick, let's call it, you know, 13, 14, and your option is Vladimir Guerrero or Bryce Harper, for me, it's it's very clearly going to be Vladimir Guerrero. And it's very clearly going to be the non-Harper option for everybody I just mentioned there. Machado, Freeman, Betts, uh, Vladdy, Jordan, um, you know, Fernando Tatis is kind of an interesting one. I think I would probably rather draft Fernando Tatis if we know for sure that there's going to be, you know, no setbacks, which we don't know right now. But, you know, you're drafting in March or whatever. We hear he's healthy and he just has to wait for the suspension to be over with. 
think that I'm going to be more comfortable taking him than Harper. Uh, he's going to be fully healthy, removed from playing baseball for the last year plus with never more to prove than he will have next season. So if that if it comes down to that particular choice and I have them ranked right beside each other, uh, I'm taking Fernando Tatis here. I, I This is not meant to come off as like Harper's slander. When he was out there this year, he was incredible and, you know, 90th percentile or better in exit, uh, excuse me, average exit velocity, max exit velocity, ex-WOBA, expected slugging, expected batting average. He was still a stud while he was out there. But I don't know that I'm going to be expecting that with this injury, if it goes untreated especially, because we don't know what their plan is. If he goes under the knife, I'm going to feel a little bit better probably. We'll see. Uh, there's still a long way to go. So drafting right now and taking Bryce Harper in the first round, I think that that's troublesome for me. Uh, you're not getting any kind of discount, which maybe you shouldn't have, similarly to Soto, because we know what he can do. But you're you're having to spend a first-round pick on a guy who may end up missing a bit of time. And maybe, even if he doesn't end up missing time, maybe he's just utility eligible, which is still, it's still great, sure. Having his production in the lineup, if he's healthy, it's still great. But if it's just utility, it definitely takes a bit of the fun out of it. And I think that that should, in and of itself, push him out of the first round. By ADP, I think it should. So he's going to 14 right now. Personally, that would be an avoid spot for me. Let me just pull up the current um, the current ADPs and see who's going right around him here. Uh, we have it set to outfielder. Let's go by everybody. Yeah, one pick above him is Bichette. One below him is Guerrero. I would definitely rather take either of those guys. Freeman is going behind. Uh, maybe Rafael Devers is... I wouldn't want to take Devers, perhaps. But Pete Alonso is another interesting one. I think it's... I think it's closer than we would want to probably admit in terms of the gap between these two guys. I, I, I like I like Bryce Harper quite a bit, but I'm just I, there's a lot of ifs heading into next year for me, specifically the health and also if he's healthy, are they going to put him out in the field? So if he comes up to you at pick 14, I think that you should be probably looking for some different options. One more guy we're going to do for today, and he's definitely not in the same grouping as these other studs. He's still a star player, I think, but he's definitely not uh, in the same group as these other guys. But I think he generally fits more with them than he would with your, you know, Hunter Renfros and some of those other guys we're going to talk about. It's Brian Reynolds. And Brian Reynolds, for me, uh, he was pretty valuable. I had him on a couple of teams this season. It was definitely frustrating at first, but he ended up providing pretty solid value for you. If maybe not what you were expecting, it was still all right. Uh, 27 home runs, 62 RBIs. He stole seven bases, and he had a 262 batting average, also 74 runs. Now, those low-counting stats, I can attribute that to the shitty team around him, and that's something that I don't really expect to change. There's been talk over, I mean, more than a year now for quite a while about him being traded out of Pittsburgh, perhaps. I know the Blue Jays would really benefit from a guy like Brian Reynolds in the lineup. If, let's say, just hypothetically, he goes to the Blue Jays, that would make me feel very, very confident in Brian Reynolds heading into next year. But let's look back on this season. 2022, his ADP was 95. He finished 123rd, which is which is not too bad, considering he lost more than 20 runs, or about 20 runs, almost 30 RBIs, and like 40 points off his batting average. He still returned close to ADP value, which is pretty impressive. Now, he's going right now as pick 101, I think that that's probably about correct uh, in terms of outfielders. Uh, let's see where he's going in terms of outfielders. He is the 24th outfielder off the board. I think that that's pretty all right. There's not such a wide gap with his minimum and maximum picks. 85 is the minimum. 129 is the maximum. 
I think in that range, you're probably doing pretty all right, specifically if he gets traded. And it's hard to know exactly what the Pirates are going to do here. Their window for contention is not going to be for for several years. Uh, they have to really, you know, they have obviously O'Neill Cruz, Henry Davis is a couple of years away, Andy Rodriguez, uh, Jack Sawinski. I'm not the, the the biggest prospect guy. There's a few guys who are, who are you know, coming up through the system to, to, uh, to play along with O'Neill Cruz there. But I don't know that Brian Reynolds, currently 27 years old, is really going to be there for when they're hoping to compete, which is probably two, three years away still. I mean, I guess they could hold him for the remaining years of his contract. He'll be an unrestricted free agent after 2025. There's a couple arbitration years in there. If I were them, trade him away, get some pieces back. He's not making a hell of a lot of money. $6.75 million is his salary, and he's giving you still very good production. Uh, for me, I, I would be shopping him like crazy. I think they can get a really nice return, and in that case, I would be really all right drafting him in the top 100, assuming he goes to a team like the Blue Jays or like the Mets or like the Yankees, I mean, not the Yankees so much. Uh, if he goes to a really solid team already, then, I mean, if he goes pretty much anywhere other than Pittsburgh, we're going to boost his value. That lineup is about as bad as it gets. I mean, Oakland is pretty bad. Nationals are pretty bad, but I mean, this we're right. We're talking right up there in terms of terrible, shitty lineups that don't help your your counting stats at all. If he goes anywhere else, then I'm all right pushing him into that top 100. He's currently going 101. I think if you're getting him right around there at this point, you're probably pretty happy with it. Even if he's not going to give you those counting stats, maybe we see a bit of a rebound in the batting average. I want to take a look at the Babbitt, but he should still be able to give you. Somewhere in the 25, 30 home run neighborhood with, you know, somewhere like five to seven steals. And then let me take a look at what he did BABIP-wise this year. It was a pretty decent BABIP. Maybe we don't see the average return to the I mean, the heights that it did last season, 302. Maybe we see it somewhere in that 270, kind of 280 range. I think somewhere in there is probably going to be uh, what happens with him. Last year, the BABIP was 345. It was pretty high. He batted 302. It came down this year to 306, and then, of course, he batted 262. So maybe we see it push up a little bit. I think this average is probably going to be generally where he is. Maybe he's like a 280 hitter, maybe. Um, but 25-ish home runs, 5 to 10 steals, That's that'll play wherever, specifically on a good lineup. So Brian Reynolds is kind of a sneaky pick where people might be kind of bored with him. Uh, but you get around that range, and he should be able to provide at least that value coming back to you, I think. Even if he stays in Pittsburgh, I think that that's probably generally where he's going to give you. Even this year, like 109th, you're taking him just after pick 100. You look at the max pick, 129. If you're anywhere in that kind of range, you're feeling pretty good about it. Maybe 85 is a touch high. But even then, I don't have a huge problem with it. I think that he'll probably be on the move at some point this offseason, and that value will just go up. We might even be able to see like close to what we saw last year with the runs and RBIs, close to 100 of each. If he bats, you know, even 20 home runs with those kind of numbers and we could see him put up a really, really great fantasy season, maybe even similar to what we saw Freddie Freeman do this year. Like, I know it's probably not going to be to those same heights, uh, but Freddie Freeman gave you, let me just pull it up here. Uh, it was 117 runs, probably not likely. 100 RBIs. That I think that can happen. 21 home runs, 13 steals. I think that he can give you some, maybe I'm talking out of my ass a little bit, but to that kind of extent, probably not. But he can give you something kind of similar there, assuming he is playing for a good team. Let's say Freeman goes, or not Freeman, um, Reynolds goes to the Dodgers. I don't think it's likely. Or maybe he goes to the Astros or something like that. I think that that's possible. We see a really good team take a shot on him. I think Toronto really should. 
but I don't think these numbers are like, you know, 100, 120 home runs, 10 steals, and close to 300. I think that he could surprise us next year, Brian Reynolds, and it's all pretty much location. It's like, it's like buying a house with Brian Reynolds. It's all about location. So we will see what happens over these next few months if he gets traded, which, again, I think it's about as likely as anybody getting traded, Brian Reynolds getting traded, unless he's, you know, like Brian Hayes and signs a stupid, long, team-friendly contract. I, I wouldn't expect it. But we'll just have to see. we got a long way to go this offseason. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me here until we get more news in. We're just still going over our reviews. And then hopefully we'll get some free agent signings we can start going over in the next few days. I forget exactly when they're allowed to start signing, but I think it's pretty damn soon. We'll have a lot of stuff for you guys this offseason. We are hiring more writers every single day. I'm very excited about that. And we have a new fantasy baseball podcast coming here to Sports Ethos that I'm going to be telling you guys about in the next few days. I'm very excited about that, and you guys should be too, hosted by a really great individual. We're going to get you guys set up with that one over the next couple of weeks. But for now, go follow Ethos Fantasy BB because those podcasts will go out on that channel. That is why I tell you guys to follow so you get all of our new content. You'll get the written work. You'll get the podcast work. All of our Twitter baseball stuff will be retweeted from that account. You will get all of our Ethos baseball content. So make sure at Ethos Fantasy BB. Subscribe, download, review the podcast, do all that great stuff, whether it be on Apple or Google or Spotify. And we will continue with more outfielders again tomorrow. Guys, I hope you have a great night, and I wish you all the best of luck in your early drafts. Cheers, everybody. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.